every hour on the hour. When we listen and gain our knowledge and power, we turn to the no bullshit hour. Hey, Karen, should I do the intro in my anchorman voice? (laughs) See if I can still do it. Anchorman. Bullshit news. Let's just start breaking news. There's Drew doing his bullshit anchor voice. I'm going to do that one. That's a good one. Tonight, on the No Bullshit News Hour this afternoon, next week's news, today. (laughs) Today is February 12th, 2021, the year of our Lord, as we work our way up the NAFTA highway on today's program. A new administration, a new border crisis. Chris Cabrera of the National Border Patrol Council. And the crush of refugees along the United States-Mexican border. He joins us live today from McAllen, Texas, and live from Lebanon, Kansas, the geographic center of the United States, Travis Warner, the farmer who owns it, the man who rented it out to Bruce, the boss Springsteen, and the hipster commercial makers for Jeep, and how they got it wrong. Does this music fit your anchorman voice? I don't know. It might be too cool for it. Give me the other one. All right. And here in Michigan, comedian Detroit Red from the Poison Dirt Pile and the widening demolition scandal engulfing City Hall. The fake election fix is in, or they keep trying. The latest fake news from the TCF Center. And finally, news from Flint. That's right, Larry Flint has died. Oh, man. A remembrance and a tip of the condom to the king of smut. But first... A word from our sponsors. It's Fat Tuesday. Time to go down to American Cody Island and get your punchki dog. That's right. The big... What is a punchki? How do I describe it? Um, well, the, the poles will be offended, but it's kind of like a, a jelly donut. It's a big, heavy jelly donut. Go down, celebrate Fat Tuesday at American Coney Island this week. They cut that baby open. They put in the dog. They put in the chili. They put in the Vidalia onions and the mustard. It's less than a thousand calories, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Are you sure about that? It might be. More. I don't know, but, but people people love them, yeah. and the mayor won't touch them. What a rat! Mm. Oh, he's in trouble anyway. What a rat! So come on down and get your punchy dogs on Tuesday. And by the way, after Tuesday, it's the Lenten season. The Alaskan cod sandwich is back at American Coney Island. Fish on Friday. Every Friday. They are delicious. They are delicious. You're giving up on Lent, Charlie. Huh? You're giving up on Lent. I'm I'm giving up you, Karen. Oh. I'm just giving up. (laughs) I don't know yet. It's It's a good one. Something easy. Yeah, that's that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Something easy. I once gave up uh, meat, and then not eating sun up to sundown like like the Ramadan? Muslims do. Yeah. yeah, like let me let me try that. That seems awfully. 
committed. I'm going to try that. Fasting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but see, the thing is, I'd go drinking at sundown. <laughs> <laughs> I would. That's not part of oh, the just uh, Ramadan. Yeah. Oh, God, man. All right, so anyway, uh, support American Coney Island, one of America's 100 restaurants that Esquire says we can't afford to lose. You can always get the Coney kit delivered to your door. Just go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Oh, and ADR. Let me, just, let me just talk about ADR real quick. Can I do that? It's pretty simple, folks. ADR consultants are the ones you call when you need to get something done right, on time, and on budget. Are you an investor who can't get straight answers about whether your assets are properly properly registered? Uh, I am. What do I do? Repaired. I rewrote this, so it's not I coming off. <laughs> call ADR to help with the asset management. Do you have issues with city zoning or certification issues? Yes. Have ADR work out a plan to stop tickets and fines while they get your properties in order? Are you trying to get something remodeled and need permits, yes. variances, or help navigating the city hall jungle? Which I do. Save time, save money. Call ADR. I like that. Construction, deconstruction, demolition, rehabilitation, project management, owner representative services, technology deployments. Get it done the way it should be done without excuses. Honest, ethical, smart, and discreet. Call Barry Ellen Tuck for free consultation. 248-318-9424. Mention the No Bullshit News Hour and tell him you need someone to fix your shit. Huh? Okay. Yes. Share, share, share. Share. All right, let's bring it down. What is going on on the Mexico-United States border. If you read the New York Times, we have a new crisis, a new crush of refugees. If you read other publications, they seem to be taking the voice of the administration because the words are the same. The uptick, it's too early to tell. Well, let's find out because Biden famously said he's going to roll back many of Trump's um, decrees, mm -hmm. executive orders, and policies. So, this is a good friend of mine. I've ridden that dusty border with him many hours. It's a stand-up guy. Uh, Chris Cabrera, National Border Patrol Council. Welcome in, brother. How you been? Hey, I've been great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, always, always, you know, because you give it straight. I know you're a Border Patrol agent, so that is the disclosure. You can get the politician's point of view. You get it every night on CNN. This is no bullshit. Chris What's going on on the border? Uh, are, are there expectations among migrants of a friendlier reception here? Is there no waiting in Mexico anymore? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people coming across now think that um, they're going to be allowed to stay if they get here uh, by a certain point. Uh, they, For some reason, they think if they get here in the next 100 days, they're going to get to stay. Um, they, We had a program in place called the Migrant Protection Protocol where if somebody came in, we would send them back to Mexico, regardless of their country of origin, and they would wait there until their case was uh, adjudicated for asylum. Um, they put that on hold, and the floodgates opened. We started getting just tons of people. Um, at the same time, there was talk of Biden granting amnesty, so we had even more people coming. Usually, we would get a bunch of people turning themselves in, um, expecting to get released, or we would have people trying the old-fashioned way, trying to get sneak past us and avoid detection. Right now, we have both groups coming at the same time. Um, for instance, a couple nights ago, I was out there. Um, I think we had a group of 65 came in and turned themselves in. 
Um, we're writing them up, doing the paperwork, waiting for some buses. Another group of 57 comes up and the helicopter's up and he's telling us less than a mile away, there's a group of 13, another group of 20 and another group of, of 20 plus all in that, you know, maybe a one mile area. And, and it's just, it's insane that these, that so many people are coming. Now Mexico is not taking uh, the people back like they were before. Um, and so we're having to release people into the country and you got, we got a pandemic going on and we're bringing in people that, that are, you know, for the last couple months, they've been traveling together in incredibly close quarters. And, and then we're bringing them in and we're just releasing them into the country. And so it's not something that's just here. It's, it's going to go nationwide. If they bring anything in with them, any, any type of diseases or, or who knows what it, it, it's going to, it's going to spread like, like wildfire. So they're not being vaccinated before they're allowed to enter the country at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're hardly getting vaccinated. Well, they're, you know, they're, um, they're in illegally. So uh, people in nursing homes don't have vaccines yet. I don't think that's going to fly with the American public to vac- no. vaccinate people, give them a, uh, a court date, an immigration court date, give them a shot, give them a bus ticket and send them to, to Miami or Chicago. That's not going to fly. But yeah, let- and, and you know, we don't have the capability to test this, the, you know, as many people as we see. So very few of them get tested. Maybe if somebody's showing some type of signs or symptoms, they'll send them to the hospital or we see a lot of injuries out there. Somebody falls, uh, twists an ankle, breaks a leg, whatever the case may be. We send them to the hospital and the hospital uh, will test them just because they don't know, you know where they're coming from. And a lot of times they'll turn up positive. So we have a pretty high number of people that turn up positive but a very low number percentage wise that they get tested at all. So we're, we're putting them on buses, man. This is crazy, but let's do that. Let, let's, let's back up here. First of all, are we seeing a surge, an uptick, a trickle? There were 70,000 apprehensions uh, in December. I know from my experience, having crossed the border with the cartels that January to April are the busy months when the desert's not scorching. It's survivable. What are you seeing now across the border? Well, you know, a couple of years back, this was something that was just in the McAllen area from 2013 to right about, you know, last year, it was something that was just in the Rio Grande Valley, maybe a little more, but most of it was contained to um, the McAllen area. Now we're seeing it from border, from Brownsville all the way to San Diego. We're seeing large groups. Uh, last night, uh, I think we had groups of 57, groups of 60, another group of 65 showed up at a at an old folks community at four in the morning, knocking on doors, asking them to call the border patrol to come pick them up. So, the taxi. And, yeah, wow. it's crazy. Um, uh, the other night in, in one hour, we had 263 people. We even had a, a lady crazy. from Cuba walk up to the, the station the other day, knocked on the door and, and tell her just turned herself in. She was pregnant and Hey, take me. What happened take to her? Me, let me go. What happened to her? Uh, she ended up uh, getting released into the country. With a court date, processed and released. So yeah. we're, we're all the way back to where we were in 15. Yeah, well, I think we're, we're a little bit worse off because before we, would get, we were just getting the people turning themselves in. Now we're having the people that are turning themselves in and we're having a big push on people that are trying to uh, get away because they think that if they get here and show some type of residence, go to Office Max and get a, a fake lease or something and prove that they are or, or claim that they've been here, then they're going to get this amnesty that's supposedly coming. And which when people get desperate like that, that, that increases assaults on our agents, that increases uh, violence that we see. Well, this is factual because it's known, it's, it's been reported, you see it, that the coyotes are very clever 
and how they convince people to take the chance and pay them money, which is there's going to be there's flyers going around. Mm-hmm. They're offering amnesty. Bring the kids. Yeah. Right? A lot of misinformation. It's like they're, it's like they're marketing. They're, they're, they're selling their product. And the more people they move, they get money for those people. But it also puts uh, it, it, it occupies us so that they can move drugs at the same time. And years ago, we would just see marijuana coming through. Now we're seeing heroin, meth, liquid methamphetamine, fentanyl. Cocaine. We're seeing it all come through the river. It's not just, uh, you know, a thousand pounds of marijuana at a time. Well, let me let me let me do this. this having a lot of friends have come over that border, personal friends of mine. Haven't done it myself. I, I, I would do it too. I'm looking for a better life. I'm doing it as a man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Okay. Having said that, and that's true. And I know what, what a guy's searching for. And I don't, I don't blame you. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people feel that same way. Well, you, you know, humans are human. You're going to do what you got to do. All our ancestors did what they had to do. Having said that, this shit is wild west. It's bad. Children get beaten. There's human trafficking. There's, there's death. There's the cart, everything. Credit where credit is due. My expertise, having covered that thing for many years, is the Mexicans and the Central Americans never took responsibility for the flow coming through. One, one thing that Trump did do, which is we had a deal with Mexico. We had a deal with El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras during this time. If they're apprehended here, you're taking them back. And they're now going to apply for asylum in your country, and we will process it in an orderly fashion, like we do with the Africans, the Asians, the Europeans. That's how it works. And it did it not slow down the traffic on the border, Chris? Yeah, it, it did. It, it slowed it down uh, uh, to, to a, a trickle. You know, one thing that, that's always baffled me is like with Canada, we have an agreement with Canada. It's called, called the, the safe harbor law, where if you come from a third country and you pass through, you if you're looking for asylum, you have to apply for asylum in that very next country. You don't you can't pick. OK, well, uh, I'm, I'm coming from Brazil, but I'm going to travel five different countries to pick where I want my asylum. If you're trying to escape some type of violence, uh, political violence, then you take it where you can get it. You don't keep going and, and get to cherry pick it. The other thing is, is if I'm out there in plain clothes, I talk to these people. They don't know who I am. They don't know I'm a border patrol agent. So they, I, I hear their story and, and, and I can, I can sympathize with them, but it's all about, you know, finding a job and, the, you know, making more money and, you know, making a better life. But then as soon as they see the uniform agent, the story changes and it's all, oh, well, you know, the government's trying to kill me and all this stuff. So, I mean, which is it, you know, and, and I can sympathize with, with um, their reasons for coming. But if you're if you're trying to get something done, you got to you got to be straight about it. You got to tell us what what needs to be done. And I'm going to split off on something real quick. And this is something that that really bugs me is we see a lot of young kids, a lot of young kids coming through, um, you know, under 10, um, sometimes two, three years old uh, that are traveling alone, Um, sometimes alone in a group of people and sometimes completely alone. will find a kid out there by themselves. Fuck. What what bugs me the most is the parents are already here in the United States. Um, and so we get that child and we find the parent and we give them back to that child or that we get that, that child back to that parent. And don't get me wrong. A, a child belongs with his, his parent, his or her parent. But if you're endangering your child and abandoning your child in another country and putting them in care of a smuggler, um, little boy, little girl doesn't matter. 
why are we giving that child back? I mean, if I put my, if I left my son in the Walmart parking lot for 10 minutes in the car, I'm going to jail, much less throw him on top of a bus and tell him to go to Georgia and find his uncle Joe. Uh, I mean, and well, you know, you know why, dude, train? it's, it's beyond our pay grade. You know, like we've already been through it. You lived it separating children from their families. I don't want to well, get no, that, See, that's not separating children from the no, families. no, I understand that's, that. But now it's like we have a ward of the state. Fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got just a, yet another ward of the state. I feel you. I wouldn't do it with my kid. I don't know. I don't know what the answer yeah. is, but uh, uh, I just, I, I just, I hate to see it. You know, when you see a 12 year old girl that's been violated, um, and, and she's got plan B or she's already on birth control because they know that's part of the journey. I mean, I, I'm all for a better life, but I'm not sending either of my daughters in, into harm's way with, with, uh, you know, with, for the light at the end of the tunnel, that's just not going to happen. And if I have to, if I have to put them through that, they're going side by side with me. I, I mean, I, I get it though. They're for them. The reward far outweighs those risks, but you know, you mentioned the disinformation because what did you just say? I think the reward the reward for, of getting here far away is getting raped yeah. as a twelve year old. No. Well, no, for the for the risk. I know you don't think it outweighs it for for no. a lot of those people. No, okay. but I'm talking about the misinformation that is out there because you know you hear Trump saying we're going to close it. You see these caravans, and then you say Biden, we're going to open it, and you see these caravans. Anytime there's that kind of information out there, does the border patrol? Is there anything going on to fight that disinformation at all? No, you know, I mean, there's really not much we can do. You know. Um, and we've always had it, regardless of who the incoming president is, whether it was um, President Obama when he came in or when President Trump came in, uh, there was there was, you know, talk going around and people are going to believe what they're hearing from their people on the ground, uh, their, their, their local fancy smuggler. And, and but but really what really gets the word out is once we bring people in and we release them. Uh, a message from from their family back home to their families. Let, back let's home. be clear. Let's be clear here. Yeah. Mexican nationals under Title Forty Two, which is mm-hmm. the COVID emergency order, they go home immediately. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the those those are not considered refugees. Central, Central Americans, Americans are. So everybody you, was going back. Right. Everybody. Right. And you're either going back to Central America or you're going on to the Mexican side if you're going to claim asylum. Now, yeah. now we take you and we release you. Well, right? I see. And then they had that migrant protection protocol and they did away with it. And then the state of Texas sued. So they put it back in place. But then Mexico said, well, you know what? Yeah, they put it back in place. But that's your law. That's not our law. So we're not taking everybody. Mexico we'll rescinded them, it. But we're sure. not taking all of them. And, Mexico I mean, rescinded that in, in November. Right. The day of the election, they passed a law saying we're not taking Central American families anymore. So no, that just happened about about two weeks ago. So oh, actually, it happened right after the uh, maybe a week or so after uh, uh, the inauguration. Yeah. So what we're doing, you got to give some credit where it's due. Look, if the Biden administration, in my opinion, and I'm not a dummy about the border, had you left the asylum protocols in place, now they're they're to the wind. You could have let as many people as you wanted to, as you know, as much as your heart desires your liberal heart, through the asylum protocol. Now it's gone. So, for instance, it was an agreement reached with Mexico, right? But there were also agreements met with the Central Americans. Not only that, there were agreements, you will protect your border. Guatemala will protect it or police it. Yeah, the Mexican southern border. Right? So everybody's got a hand in trying to get order here, which we all want. We don't want kids raped. We, we don't want cartels getting rich, but now you see a Honduran migrant train coming up. Here it comes. 
3,000 large. Here we go again. This Trump's an asshole for a lot of things. But some things made a... I was saying this stuff, Chris, back in 2000, 2002. Like, why is there no order here? No international cooperation? Do, have we just shit the bed here, in your opinion? Well, you know, and I, I think... You know, all politics aside, uh, absolutely. I think, you know, President Trump had a way of, of dealing with these other leaders. I don't know if it was economically or what, but he had. Uh, it wasn't. We weren't perfect down there, but but we had it as as in much control as I've seen it since I've been in in almost twenty years. Um, and I think another thing a lot of people don't realize That's is you got a, you got a lot of Central Americans, uh, South Americans, um, but we also got a lot of uh, other countries. We, we've been seeing a lot of. Um, Romanians coming through a lot of people from Sri Lanka a lot of people from India so it's it's big business coming through there's a lot of money changing hands and and you're right somebody's getting rich off this oh well the I mean those countries are remittances are like half a trillion dollars going back I think to Central America alone if you look at if you look at somebody from Honduras they're paying uh seven thousand to ten thousand per person to get smuggled in and it's really a, I hate to say it, it's a smuggler's market because they don't even have to avoid us anymore. I just, mean, just I mean the money that uh, they make here yeah, when they send it back is just look for the, the guy in green. Yeah. And then you look at people from uh, Romania and China, they pay upwards of $30,000 a person. Ooh. That's a lot of money. Hey. So what's, what's the status of the wall uh, and any insight or any information that have you been advised about what the status of the of the wall is or will be going forward a, a couple of weeks ago they when they came out with uh, they were going to put everything on hold and they just stopped working on it from one day to the next um I, I drove down there yesterday and they're they're packing up and going home now i mean it's it, it's doing its job it's working it, it's a great thing you know it's not a you know one-stop shopping that's all we need but it, it is a big hindrance for people coming through Hey, bro, um, I have to ask this, bro. I have to, we don't have a wall up here, right? So we have issues with the Canadians. So how do we get fucking Justin Bieber out of this country? <laughs> with, a, with a big slingshot. Can, can we keep Drake, though? We'll keep Drake keep and Drake. Drake Justin Bieber. Now you can take Drake, too, and Grand home. Take them all. Get out. Chris, if you could like have just... I mean, resources are going to be a problem, but if you just had a, a bunch of money, um, is Ted it Ted Cruz? Is the the idea of getting is it more agents that you want? Is it would would you want? Is should the concentration be at the official border crossings or the deserts? I mean, what you're in charge? What do you do? Yeah, I think the big key is is technology. That that's the biggest key. You know, uh, night vision equipment for our agents, um, the the infrared cameras. The other part of that would be um, uh, weapons. You know. Uh, more more rifles. We don't have one one per agent like we're supposed to. Um, what? And when you, Wait, when whoa, 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 hold again? on, hold on. For any of you don't know, I mean, and you watch Narcos and stuff. It's it's a pretty good show. It's wild, wild west on on the board. Like right, I would say, Chris, five miles into Mexico, and once you get beyond you guys, right? Once you clear you, that whole ten mile ban is a no man's land. Is that a good way to put it? You could come down to where, where we're at and we go down to the river. You'll hear gunfire every single night, Fuck every man. single night. It, it, it's, it's really bad over there. Um, just a few miles from us, they had, uh, they found 19 people burned up uh, some, some Honduran migrants that were trying to cross one cartel, stolen from another cartel, um, shot them, butchered them, set them on fire, right, right by the river. Uh, come to find out it was the Mexican police that did it. So, I mean, we, we have, there, there's a lot of Mexico 
parts of Mexico, especially where we're at, are very, very dangerous. There's a lot of cartels operating in that area, and, and there's always, you know, that, that risk for us. So when I say we need rifles, I'm not saying, yeah, we, we you know, we want to go out there with, you know, like the old Wild West. But when you're dealing with a, a group on the Mexican side that has an unlimited budget, and here we are with, uh, you know, surplus rifles, and we don't even have our own that that's, that's zeroed in to us, then... And let me say this. To, let me say this to the community that's listening to you. Look, whether you are conservative, liberal, right wing, left wing, humanist, lock them up. There's a humanitarian issue going on here, and you got to think beyond your narrow worldview. Listen to what what's going. They're butchering people, raping people. Like there's no order. That that's what we need. We can decide how many we want in the country. To let the cartels decide is insanity. It's absolute insanity. And if you're like a COVID person, we're putting them on buses, untested, and spread them all throughout the United States. It's nuts. This is not good governance. It's not. So, Chris, ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, it's a different branch of Homeland Security. But they're being told, it's a separate but important piece of this, that they may not within the United States, make any immigration arrests without first consulting Washington. Is this having an effect on the traveler coming through the border? Yeah, it is, you know, because they know that it's the criminal friendly environment now. You know, it's bad enough that we have sanctuary cities. Um, But then if if you have a guy that's a, a sex offender or, you know, if his crime is not deemed worthy enough um, that they're not allowed to go serve that warrant. I think it's like 90 some percent, 92 percent of the warrants they have that people are, have already been re- ordered removed for, for violent crimes, for vicious crimes. There, there's a, a hold on it. We're not going to do anything for the next 100 days and see what's what. And on top of that, certain things, well, you know what, we're not going to send you back because your crime's not bad enough. My problem and- with sanctuary cities is the idea doesn't work. It was designed that people uh, with uh, undocumented status would more likely talk to the police if they didn't feel they are going to be deported, right? But yeah. nobody talks to the police anyway. And these are specifically the people that get preyed upon by the cartel, by the dope dealers, by the gangs. And those are the ones that we could ship out because they don't belong here and they're criminals. But we can't use that against them. And, you know, that's the thing is I know a lot of folks that are coming across, they, they have good intentions. They want to make a better life for themselves. And I get that. And I understand it. I sympathize with it. But there's also a lot of, of bad people coming across, and we got enough criminals in the United States that were born here. We, we don't need to import anymore. Yeah, we do a good job oh. of that. Yeah. It, sure it's do. just, it's, I think the agents, the biggest problem we see, the, the, why, we're, why we're so set on, on what's what. One, it's our job. We, we, we took an oath to, to, to do what we do. But when you see the, what these women and children go through, if, if they weren't making this trip, they wouldn't get put through what they're getting put through. And, and, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see these kids come across. I, a couple of years back, I had a nine-year-old boy have a heat stroke and die right in front of me. Uh, I mean, that's just something you shouldn't have to see. Okay, I'm going to say this. We'll wrap it up. Let, keep you know, in touch as we, we do, obviously. But let us know, you know as, 
it really gets busy in March and April. That's when we're going to see what's happening here. So you'll come back. But again, I want to stress that we could keep the asylum protocols in place. And if we feel, even with our economy in tatters, COVID's still going, it's really difficult in Central America right now with the crime, with the corruption, with the hurricane damage. We can, if we as a country decide we want a lot of let it, let a lot of people in, we can do it. Well, but we, we need order. You gotta have a plan before you rescind. If you're human, you need order. We we have a lot of people you hear defund ICE, defund Border Patrol, defund this, that, the other. But but the law is still on the book, so the law still has to get enforced. So if these folks that are crying for defund this and that, they're they're all lawmakers. Why don't they just change the law? I mean, if, if that's how they feel, change the damn law. Fund immigration court. Fund you know? fund the embassies and the consulates, and let's start going through these asylum applications. That's a a, a better way to do it. Hey, Chris, has has the union ever um, asked any of those politicians that are big on defunding the border crossing? Have, have you, has the union invited them to come down and watch? Oh, yeah, it? I, I've invited them myself, and and they they just ignore it. You know, it's like like it never happened. Shocking. They don't want to come down here and see what's what, and if they do, they're not going to come talk to us. They're going to get you know their specialized Fo- view of it. Photo and, op. And, yeah, and and I, I I'll put the invitation out right now. If any of them want to come down, I'll show them around myself. All right. The other thing, too, guys, don't forget, and I know we just kind of touched on the wall a little bit, to cancel the contracts uh, that were engaged to build, what is it, about 430 miles? They mm-hmm. say would be billions. So there's an economic impact to that as well. You said that it was working. Um, if, in fact, Biden administration pulls back for political reasons, there's a financial implication as well. Yeah, I think if you look at that 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 implication, I mean, one by canceling that wall, obviously there's jobs lost, but uh, the other part you're looking at is, you know, that wall was designed to help us keep people from breaking our laws and, and coming in. And if you look at the cost of how much illegal immigration costs us yearly versus a one-time payment, you know, I, I, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I, I think I think everything needs to be explored on both sides of this before they make that decision because, you know, like with these guys working on the wall, I mean, that's a lot of local jobs that are gone. And yeah, you know, I don't want to go too much into the wall, but a full wall is silly and it's a waste of money. But even Obama voted for a wall, Bernie voted for the wall, Hillary voted for the wall, because there are walls in the urban centers. That way yeah. you're not just driving into me. You have to go out to the desert where, as you're saying, Chris, give me cameras, give me night vision goggles. That's, that's, what that's- need is the technology. Yes, that's so. It's it's to push them away from the urban center so you can see what's going on. The dope dealers, the human smugglers, the rate, all of this shit. It's and complicated. Not to, mention, not to mention those people that just get lost out there. You know exactly, exactly. All right, brother, we're gonna we're gonna jump on, uh, move along. If you want to stay, please do. If not, as always, thanks for coming on and keep your head I on a swivel. Man. You having me and and Albert Spratt, he told me to tell you hi. He's that guy kind of looks like B. Arthur. <laughs> 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 You mean the guy who says he's Latino because his grandmother's from Spain or some shit like that? That's the guy. (laughs) Big old white dude with brilliant Spanish. I'm Latino. My grandmother's from Sevilla. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Chris. All right, Cabrera. I'll talk to you, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks for the update. Oh, man. Good dude. Good, good dude. I mean, you know, obviously not a hater, right? Obviously, he's not a racist. Mm -hmm. He's a Latino man. He's very mm-hmm. objective in his in, in his position. I mean, he's always been that way, Charlie. He's not taking sides. He's just very factual in his perspective. I mean, you got to respect that. Yeah, he's telling you real stuff, too. I mean, 
I, I, I encourage y'all to go down and take a look. It's nuts. Did we send him a Coney kit, Charlie? Yeah, we sent Oh, wait. Hey, I'm going to send you a fix. Oh, shit. You got to send him a punchki. A fix the shit. The Border Patrol agent yeah. walking Let's, around yeah. a fix the shit t-shirt. <laughs> and a, a punch. Yeah, we'll send it to Chris. Okay, so listen. Um, That was brought to you by Luke Nowacki and the fix the shits that we're going to send him. Every time we have a guest, we send a fix the shit to him. And Luke Nowacki takes care of that. And Luke wants to remind you that, you know, you listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maurice Davis. Take it to Party Blues. Listen, you out there, not many of us are hooked up. Even those of you listening, I mean, it doesn't last forever. That's called politics. You're going to have to provide for your retirement. Probably a lot of other people's. Definitely Chris's, he's union. If you have a question whether you're on the right track, call Luke Nowacki at 248 663 4748. Grow your ass sets <laughs> from annuities to individual retirement accounts, college savings, stocks and bonds, checking account, your home, everything. Sit down with him. See where you're headed. Make the call now. Politicians and your children are dependent on you. That's Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748. You like Bruce Springsteen or Maurice Davis? I'd rather listen to Maurice Davis. I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan at all. So let's hear a little bit of Maurice doing the Luke Nowacki jingle. FNLM. Do you like that or do you like Securities and Investment Advisory Services yeah, of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Yeah. Nice. All right, do me a favor, would you? Could you? Because I know you did this with Drew. You guys are pop culture freaks. Yeah. Super Bowl commercial, Bruce Springsteen in a Jeep driving around. Lebanon, Kansas, the geographic center of the country. Yes. Go ahead, lay it out. What, what happened? You mean the commercial itself? The commercial, the backlash. What, what's going on here? Well, you know, first off, it's a commercial. Uh, I think it was disguised as a, a PR. chapel in Kansas. There it is. Yeah. Standing on the exact center of the lower 48. Listen to it. It never closes. All are more than welcome to come meet here. In the middle. In the middle. It's no secret. The middle has been a hard place to get to lately. Between red and blue. Between servant and citizen. Between our freedom and our fear. Now fear has never been the best of who we are. And as for freedom, it's not the property of just the fortunate few. Okay, you get the idea. Once again, nice PR piece. It's still an ad for Jeep. Buy a Jeep. Right. I thought see, I thought Bruce had spent his own money, and he's like, I'm like, damn, he's doing a public <laughs> yeah. service piece of poetry come together, even though he's like super liberal, votes Democratic, and you yeah. know he's from Jersey, and he's really rich. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, it was revealed, what, uh, three days later, I think someone didn't like this ad and let the cat out of the bag that he had just gotten... Um, uh, I guess arrested for a DUI back in November. Uh, like uh, dr- uh, reckless driving because he blew a .02. He blew a Paris Hilton, yeah. for God's sake. He but had he, a beer at took, a park. And he took a shot in front of the, the officer. Oh, so it's geez, one of those I, things where I don't think... Come on, not, I, I, I stopped there. That, that's ridiculous. Okay, but anyway. So she pulled the ad or and, the PR And there's backlash. Piece. Like, first of all, like, wait a minute. 
Lebanon, Kansas. Yeah. Like, how's that the middle of anything? Right? If you're going to do the middle, do the middle of Eight Mile Road between Macomb <laughs> County and Wayne County. And if it's a Jeep commercial, remember, we gave Jeep a half a billion dollars yeah. to, to upgrade their factories in Detroit. And they promised us 10,000 jobs. I haven't seen one. But having said that, my issue is, Bruce, did you look around? Did you look around Lebanon, Kansas? Because it looks like the east side of Detroit. It is empty. People have left. It's been killed by big agriculture, NAFTA. It is a, across the Great Plains, it's ghost town after ghost town. Mm -hmm. Funny thing, I perked up when I saw it because I know that farmer that owns that chapel. Who owns that land? Yeah, it's on private property. Yes. That famous chapel. The mm -hmm. Warner family. I love them. I did a story about them because I was thinking the exact middle of America, because this has been going on forever. So I'm going to play this piece from the New York Times 15 years ago about a father and a son and what the middle looks like, because the middle looks like the frayed edges. And Bruce didn't see it. You know, didn't see it, stylized it. You could have done us something better. So let's play this. And then I got a hold of my friend Travis. He's the young guy in the video. He's the young guy in the video. He did come home. And I think he's in a barn with his forearm up a heifer's uterus because it's calving season. <laughs> some, it's real some, people. Someone's got to do it. Yep. Look at Karen's face. <laughs> she just <laughs> likes a nice steak. She didn't want to know that it comes out of a cow's uterus. <laughs> Really does. Then they got to cut the baby's neck. Uh, just, COVID, it doesn't stop. Fun. It doesn't stop even for COVID. Okay, let's play that. My name is Randall Warner. I'm a farmer and a rancher, and I'm an American. He lives in Lebanon, Kansas, the geographic center of the continental United States, the middle of middle America. And he says there's a hole in the heart of this country. It's just too hard to be a farmer anymore. World trade, agribusiness, politicians feeding at the trough of special interests, drought. They're forcing the independent man out. And when he goes, Mr. Warner warns, another small prairie town withers on the vine. Everything we do out here is based on fuel. Fertilizers doubled, fuels tripled. Our costs are out of this world right now. You won't see as many farmers in Smith County next year as there are right now. Mr. Warner doesn't understand how it all works, except that he works harder than ever, from sunup past sundown, six and a half days a week, a half day off for church. You have to have a love for the, for the business, and you have to be willing to be on call. Get on in there. Every day of the week. Travis is leaving for college. He thinks he may never come back. There are no girls out here. On TV, men wear silk underwear and smoke fancy cigars and lie around all day while he's working long hours in a pig pen. Well, I like to work with people, I guess. 
not not big groups of people, but a few people, and be around people. And we come out here every day. It's it's Dad and myself. That's not working with people. There's as far as stuff that I haven't done or would like to do right now that that the, a bigger town would offer. I can't say that there's anything. You know, I can take a little break and go to a theme park or something. You know, that's what I'd like to do. Just get a little ways from home. Three hours is far enough. Kid leaves home. It happens all over. But in the Great Plains, it increasingly means the death of a family farm. Lebanon, once a town of the Great Expansion, is an island in a great expanse of ghost towns. The school here closed 15 years ago. The average age is 52. 25% of the county has left over the past 15 years. And so a father worries the city's going to swallow his youngest boy like it seduced his oldest. Father and son have not talked about the future until now. Will you come home and do this? I don't know. See, see, you're you're 18 years old. You're ready to spread spread your wings. Do you think you'll come back to rural America and farm, raise cattle, and raise pigs? Depends on if I find something better in the next couple of years. What what could be better? What could be better than life in the Great Plains where the wind blows and you catch fresh air every day? That's what I'm going to look for. See, yeah, that's 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 uh, that's the American way. It's the American dream. Go find what you think you want to do anyway. I mean, I'm not going to say that the, my brothers and my brother and sister and I, myself will uh, sell the ground even if we don't come back. You know, Dad and I were talking about the other day. Uh, I said, Dad, you could retire and cash rent your ground to, well, you know, to the big farmer. I said, you could live on that for the rest of your life. But then, what's he going to do with his time? This is all he knows. Come out here and work daylight to dark. You don't want that? No, I don't want that. I need a little time. A little, just a little time. Yeah, the truth of the matter is, most young men don't know until they've been away a while. But then too often, it's too late. But because the farm's been passed on, once again, the dollars uh, that it takes to get back into the businesses beyond the means. My name is Travis Warner. I'm in the middle of America. I'm an American. Ugh. About this in terms of what we were just talking about in, in Mexico, let's take the risk factor out of it. Everybody in their heart at some point wants something else. They want to know what else is out there for them in life, or they want better. They want better for themselves and they want better for their kids. Listening to that young man, 
it, it broke my heart. But as parents, we also have to allow our children to live their own lives. We can't just automatically assume or impose what we think is best for them. You see that? Mm-hmm. Karen, who lives east side Detroit, Travis Warner lives in Lebanon, Kansas. We feel the same. Same thing. I got love for everybody. I, I just, thing. I refuse to hate. Is he on the phone? He should be, yeah. Hey, Trav, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I was uh, wishing it was uh, August again, like when we shot that video. <laughs> What's the temperature there now? Uh, it's around zero. I don't know exactly oh. what it is. What are you doing? Well, I th- we just had a baby calf, so I got it shoved in the barn, and I think I'm going to go check this other group of heifers and maybe have a cup of coffee. <laughs> You're going to wash your hands, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's all on my gloves, so I'm good to go that way. Hey, just for my friend Karen here. Karen, meet Travis. Travis, Karen. Hey, uh, Travis. Did you have your hands in the cow's uterus? Oh. Uh, I, I did that last night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. So, brother, hey, we got into a deal last night. But it, sorry, go ahead. Charlie. Was it a breech birth? What was going on? What was the deal? The calf was, uh, I call it upside down. Um, where usually they kind of dive out, yeah, uh, belly to the ground, so to speak. And uh, this one was facing the other way, facing belly to the sky. So, oh, and, and then the head was folded back in the birth canal, and uh, you have to get that head back forward. And then, usually, if you put a little pressure on them, then they'll actually kind of do a, a barrel roll and, and then come on out. So, so you're in there readjusting the, the, the calf, oh, right? You're in there to your shoulder, yeah. God damn, that's a wow. real man. That's a doing real man work. I'm serious, that's real man work. So listen, man, you went home to the farm. Yep. What happened? Well, you went to you where'd you go? Kansas State? Yeah, I went to so I went to a community college for two years and then I went to Kansas State for four years. And uh there when I was probably about my junior year really. Uh, I, you know, I kind of knew at that point that I wanted to come back to the farm. Uh, cause I guess that's what we were talking about in your video is, is what I was going to do. Yeah. Did you ever get to the amusement park? <laughs> we went to, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to world of fun a couple of falls. They had like a, they do a late night deal around Halloween and you just, you just go and ride rides forever. So or it oh. feels like forever. It's a pretty good time. What was it your junior year that made you realize, yeah, the farm is where I want to be? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know Thanks. specifically the answer to that. I guess, you know, I, I always wanted to be in agriculture somehow. I didn't know if I wanted to be in production ag, uh, actually being a farmer. And, and I guess as I got to see more of what my options were, I felt a pull back to the farm. God, that's fucking beautiful. I'm, I'm happy for you, man. But you, but you have to see what your options are. And Travis, I think, you know, I mean, I applaud you for that. I mean, but you weren't able to decide that what you already had was what you wanted until you were able to identify your options. I, I think that's that's a microcosm for how almost everybody feels. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's just the grass is greener thing, right? The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And you, you want to go and see and get an idea of what what could you do. Uh, so. Okay, so Trev, let, let me do this now. Oh, 
Your old man passed, didn't he? Yeah. Randy. How long ago? So dad died in the spring of 2010. Wow. Yeah, it was either, I don't know if it was your wife at the time or your mom. Your family let me know, and it, it kind of it made me sad. I really liked your dad. He was, you know, he once said to me, because, you know, I'm city slicker. We're fucking around, but we got along really well. And, <laughs> you know, and I, he said to me, the best president the farmer ever knew was FDR. And then he said to me, why he goes Republican, he said, it, they're all the same economically. You could put them all in a bag, shake them up, pour it out. And the same thing comes out, the creature from a smoke-filled back room. <laughs> and that they left him to vote on his social views, abortion, that kind of thing. Is that sure. how you see life? You know, I think that our, our moral standards uh, are probably where we have to do a lot of our voting. Um, I, I do think that we're seeing differences in policies now. Um, but I, you know, a lot of a lot of politicians are just corrupt and and kind of looking for fame or or something that way. Um, we all think but, that, brother. We listen. That's saying you're the middle of America. You could be a guy in Detroit. You could be a guy in Jacksonville, Florida. You could be a guy in Elko, Nevada. We all feel that, and nobody's looking yeah. out for us. Yeah, is Lebanon still like? empty like gutted ghost town oh man yeah i mean it's uh it's emptier than it was because uh just because we've started cleaning up like the the uh, old houses and the so instead of having a rundown house you just have a vacant lot kind of a deal it's exactly but, like uh, detroit i mean if we could put up i don't know if we have time uh mannequin if you guys just pop up a picture or two of lebanon it looks like Grashit and gunston it does. And so in this way, this is what I was thinking about. You get all the city slickers and the boss and they came to your property. One, what did they say to you? And what did you think of the ad? Um, well, I, I was uh, in contact with the main gal that was setting it up um, and you know, I, I told you yesterday she didn't. She had kind of a non-disclosure thing, so all she would tell us was that they were making a commercial for a car company, that it was not political, and it was not anti-agriculture. Um, I don't know that I agree with everything she said now, as far as it being not political. But um, oh, I don't. You can have the ad. It, it didn't make any difference to me, I guess. But I mean, you know. It, it, it didn't sway or it didn't, uh, <laughs> it didn't heal all my wounds or, or, you know, it didn't do anything for me, I guess, Charlie. Uh, do you think it like represented you? That's interesting. Um, no, no, not at all. No, me either. I guess, I, you know, I, and I forgive them. I, I know they're hipsters, and it's the boss and it's a commercial, but I just want to say to you that my time there, I'll never forget it, that I have a lot, I still have a lot of love for you as that 18 year old guy. It was such a moment. And then looking at 
the swath of the Great Plains, like the main export would seem to me to be grain, then livestock, and then the children. That's sure. that's one of the greatest exports. We're putting pictures up of downtown Lebanon now, and it's, it's shit. What's yeah. the population there, Travis? We just said 200 people in, in Lebanon right now. What wow. was it at its peak? Ooh, I don't know. It was quite big. Do you feel like you were kind of maybe used as a prop by uh, the boss and by Jeep for a Super Bowl ad? I I didn't feel that way until you put that idea in my head. And oh, I sorry. Could, <laughs> no, I mean, I could see, I could, I could certainly make that argument, you know, um, so they rented a parking, they rented an area to park from us. And I mean, they gave us, they paid us. Um, so their money's as good as anybody's, I guess I'll take it. Um, and they didn't say, you know, they didn't say anything bad about us. Uh, I, I can appreciate what they were trying to do if it's sincere. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way, Travis. Um, I've been to Smith County. What would you think if a bunch of like um, crazy rednecks from Florida and a bunch of super liberals from, let's say, Boston all decided to come hang out? How would the people of Smith County deal with everybody coming over there to meet in the middle? Uh, well, I would probably get along with the people from, with the rednecks a little better, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's the point. Well, that's the point liberals are saying, like, that's not the place we want to meet. That's not the, I think, I think everybody should come to Detroit. Yeah. Take a look at your future. <laughs> Take a look at your future because this is the middle of America. This is the epicenter as you are. So I'm, I'm yeah. I'm going to come see you in the next few years, bro. Yeah, would, come see me. Would you mind? No, that'd be great. That'd be great. Would you give your sweet, dear mother my uh, my love, my best? I'll tell you. I'll tell mom you said hi. Okay. Awesome, man. Can he deliver a calf? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we did. Come I, at I, the right time of year. We did get to get your sows out of the out of the mud pit. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. We pushed them out of the mud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this dude won prizes. Yeah. Not only that, he was the state wrestling champ. Hey, what weight class? 140. <laughs> so we wrestled at, at when I was about ready to leave. I'm like, come on, young man. He broke my toe. He's probably still around 140. <laughs> I wrestled at 152, and I'm miles beyond that now. <laughs> That's because he works for a living. I know, exactly. I sit in a basement. Uh, He's up there in a cow <laughs> vagina, like turning heads. And I'm in a basement. Charlie, you got to send him a Coney kit. He's got to get a taste of Detroit, if nothing else. Oh, hey, Trav, I'm going to send you a Coney kit. It's a Detroit specialty. It's a chili dog, onions, mustard, all the fixings. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we'll love it. And a shirt says, fix this shit. Just <laughs> yeah. fix this. Now, I, I know you're a God-fearing man. Are are you as, like, Christian as your dad, or are you sort of... Uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I would like to say uh, I'm pretty dedicated, I guess. Okay, then I'm going to send you a fix-it shirt. <laughs> okay. Why don't you walk around church with a fix-the-shit, yeah. right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right, right. Got a reputation to maintain. <laughs> hey, brother, how old are you now? I am 32. Wow. Wow. Uh, something. Now, do you have kids? We've got three kids. And what do you want there to feed? Do you want them to take over the farm when uh, when you get older? Yeah, I don't. I probably don't feel as strongly as uh, Dad did about it. I mean, I, I, I always knew he wanted me to come back. Uh, 
I never, you know, he's never going to make me. You can't make your kids do anything. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm trying to be indifferent. You know, if there's an opportunity in agriculture in, I mean, you're talking in, in 20 years, you know, yeah. uh, if it still looks the same, uh, then yeah, I'd, I think it'd be great, uh, for them to come back. But, but I think, I mean, things are really changing out here. So we'll see. What's what changing happened. real quick. What's changing. You're talking about the business and economically. And yeah. Big, you know, it's ag. still, it's just still economies of size and you have to maintain a, a certain, uh, magnitude to make a living. Um, you know, because if you're making, if you're making, uh, $10 on every cow, 200 cows doesn't pay the bills. But, but if you can make, uh, $150 on a cow, well then 200 cows will get you there, you know? So. Right. You got to get bigger or die. Yeah. You get bigger or die. I mean, they talk about the pork industry. Uh, they think that the big, uh, pork industry, they're making about a nickel per fat hog right now. Well, you know, that works if you're running uh, a million, millions of fats. But if, if you're up here running 20,000 and you're making a, a nickel, <laughs> it's, it's a nice hobby, you know? Yeah. And it's important for us to know because, you know, that's what we eat. We have no idea what's going on, where it comes from or what it really costs, you know? And it's funny, you're making a hundred bucks, uh, five cents on a, on a sow, but the price of bacon has nearly doubled in the last 20 years. Yeah. The price yeah. We're, we're paying the workers in the slaughterhouses has gone down 50%. So where <laughs> where's this profit going? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of costs eaten up in the uh, by the packer by the the owners of the, of the packing system for sure. Well, now to go so. back to go back to our last guest, the border patrol agent, the way they make the profit is those packing houses are full of illegal labor, full of Latinos. Yep, paying them shit, shit they don't conditions. Have to pay them anything. Yeah, yep. absolutely. It's all connected, folks. You see what we're doing on the program? It's all all connected. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I love you, man. Hey, uh, last last word goes to you. What do you want to tell? You know, we, we got a pretty wide audience here all over the country. What do you, the center of the United States, want to remind us Americans of? Hmm. Uh, I guess uh, what I would want to say is that we're all in this thing together and you just have to be careful where you get your news from and who you're going to believe. Right on. It's hmm. kind of what the boss was saying. Although he wanted you to buy a Jeep, too. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, tonight on the No Bullshit News Hour this afternoon, next week's news today. All right. Well, we got it straight from the horse birther's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Be well. Thanks, Travis. Hey, see you later. All right, man. Bye. <laughs> Good dude, man. Charlie, that was a phenomenal, heart-touching, insightful interview it really on so many it's it's i'm getting so much out of that you probably don't even realize the layers um that that interview has has brought forth seriously yeah i'm glad i'm, I'm glad to know him because I, I don't get jealous of men you know but there's a guy i admire yeah. there's a there's a doer and a nice guy you know strong small, guy small businessman yeah well maybe you know and he's facing a lot of a lot of issues we all are. That, my friends, Bruce, that's what's going on in, in Lebanon, Kansas. Now, we, uh, I want to remind you, 
uh, Red is uncovered. Uh, he's back at the at the pile, the pit. Okay, the glowing death hill in the middle of Detroit, where there's at least an untold. He's going to report how many houses are buried there. But speaking of houses, if you want a house that's standing and a good one, remember rates are currently in the twos. So call today and find how much a refi could save you every month. Just click the link at the website of davidhallmortgage.com or write this down, put it on your fridge, 248-308-5000, 248-308-5000. Make sure you tell them we sent you. What are you laughing at, <laughs> Joe, Joe was trying to switch to the Hall Mortgage and website, no and, and all of a sudden, Carmanos jumped on the screen. <laughs> oh, that just made me laugh. Good job, mannequin. David Hall Mortgage, best in the business. Uh, go and read the over 2,500 five-star reviews. Some of, Can I see one? Yeah, quick, yeah. Quickly read one here. Scroll down, Joe. Let me quickly read one, just to let you guys know. There you go. Okay. Uh, I can't. It's cut off at the Scroll top. up. Okay. <laughs> Dan and Abby are rock stars. Dan has helped me with multiple loans, and he always does it with courtesy, respect, a little fun, and high attention to detail. I can say that all my loans got to close faster than the competition by at least two weeks. Wait, oh, oh, highly uh, recommended. Yeah. What kind of show is this? I'm moving them around. <laughs> We're falling I'm apart. Not, I'm not a We're genius. over an hour. We're falling apart. Oh, we are? Shit, we got to get... Okay. That's okay. All right, Red. What up, though? You, brother, you. Yeah, I'm going to be up after all I saturate all this chemical infestation through my skin. Well, listen, last week you uncovered a pile. Something suspicious is going on. And you've had, look, D comedian Detroit Red is becoming a reporter who will be, who's becoming Dick Gregory. Red, we took you through the paces. What did you find out? First of all, I found out that this is a big asshole that nobody seems to know the fuck about. Um, I talked to the owner who's in dispute with his partner in court over the land and the construction business. Uh, it was confirmed to me through sources that at least at minimum it's five houses over here in this hole and around in the rest of the lot. Five okay? houses are what? buried in that hole. Yes. And uh, this firm uh, estimated 28 to 30 loads. Truckloads. Dumped. So, wow. and this company does demolition work for the city. Yes, they do hold contracts with the city for demolition of the houses that's been in question for the last couple of years. What was most amazing to me was in my research is that this particular poison pit is right around the corner from the poison pit you uncovered almost two years ago. You mean the yeah, one no. where they were tearing down the city's house and the demolition and they're just dumping it in the fucking neighborhood and poisoning the air and then when it, it rained, it would leach in, onto Livernoy and then go into the lakes? That exact same one, to Get be a matter fuck. of fact. And this is in the exact same neighborhood because, like I said, it's pretty much right around the corner. So my big question to these folks down here, well, let me finish telling you the facts. So I went to BSED, uh, uh, Building and Engineering. They kicked me over to City Hall PR Department hmm. to speak to uh, Mr. Uh, John Roach. And 
True enough, he played to his name, acted like a roach, and ain't came out in the light yet. <laughs> so I got no response from City Hall. Nobody seems to know when this happened, where this uh, mysterious hole with construction and debris came from that's butted right up against the back of a neighborhood. Um, and it's amazing to me. I feel like we live in a mini Chernobyl here in Detroit. Mm. You never know what empty field is going to cause you to have radiated testicles. Right. You said you talked to the, the owner who's in dispute with another guy and, and maybe Charlie, you know, how, how does this work? Like, how do they decide? Do the, would they have a connection to the city? Like One partner, what? another partner, uh, is Red explains it to me, uh, one partner is accusing the other partner of letting guys do that. Yes. Okay. And then the city doesn't want to do shit about it, but there's a police report. Hmm. Uh, in the police report, the building inspectors notified the building and safety is aware of it. The mayor's aware of it because watch, watch this yesterday. Remember all the demo shit I did and I let yeah. it go and oh, there's yeah. grand juries and stuff. Yesterday, the city announced that another contractor is going to have to dig up 16 holes <laughs> because the what? dirt that the city certified has elevated levels of lead, mercury. Wow. Okay? And the city certified that. When we pointed out, they tell us, go get fucked. Huh. When we wow. told you back in 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, proposal N. So now, now the city council is at war with the mayor because, you know, proposal N, the $250 yeah. million oh, yeah. demo money? It's got to be minority Detroit-based companies. Yeah. Well, four of these are like shadow companies. They they didn't exist. They don't know. It's a P.O. box. So they're created for the purpose of. So why? Yeah. What's yeah. going? So. Uh, uh, go ahead, this, can I break in here, Charlie? Because yeah. I want to throw this out here. Now I'm done. Anybody knows me. I'm just a regular guy who fucking tell jokes. But when I got this tip. I had to come do the work. And to be quite honest, I don't know what the fuck the Mockingbird media is doing. Because this should not take folks to come out and have to uncover this when everybody in the upper positions know about this shit. Absolutely. Well, that's why, yeah. They don't they don't want it out there. And I want to it's do safer it. it's safer for me to smoke a truckload of Newport longs out here than it is for me to stand out here for ten more minutes. <laughs> that's but that's really I the laugh, truth. Yeah. No, I... Fucking like what, what what was Travis saying out out in the middle of the country? Government's failing me. This that's why look they, they do it because they don't think anybody cares. Because they think it's just a, a plot in the middle of Detroit that no one gives a shit about. Except those babies. Well, Travis, I got some land for him. He might not be able to give birth to horses, but he can <laughs> grow some radiated cow. Try getting a three-headed cow out of a uterus. <laughs> With four eyes. <laughs> what are you saying, Karen? I was just, I was saying, because we're, we're constantly in a vicious cycle. You know, I mean, the same things that we're talking about when we talk about corruption, when we talk about inefficiency. It's just a cycle. Nothing ever changes. But interestingly, Charlie, we just um, got a comment on um, uh, Facebook and Tariq said, since this is the no BS news hour, let it be known that most city inspectors get paid in Detroit. Just ask any landlord or contractor. They show up to hearings drunk when they are in person and many of them live off the tips. 
that they get from people, you know, to, to check. I mean, that's the narrative. That's the reality. Well, and that's why I, I don't think, no, because I know, uh, uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm not, no, because I know the man whose name is in that police report. He's mm -hmm. a good, honest guy. That's the one who got off his ass and went out and looked at it. How about you follow up the people above him and get it done? So that's cool. I guess I, I'm not going to just call an unknown guy a drunk. I know the bosses are aware of this. I know the inspectors didn't dump this shit. And I know they're not the ones lying to the public. And they're well, not the I ones. I got a suggestion for the city since they don't seem to know what to do with all this debris and shit. Try taking it and putting it in the damn potholes y'all ain't filling. It'd be safer in the street because we don't have our kids playing the street than it will be in an overgrown a lot that's going to be leveled, grassed over, and then potentially turned into a park or something. Then we saw two problems at once. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, the contractor's getting paid to go dump that house in a landfill where it belongs. So Right, but Part see, of the cost of demolitioning the house. And again, I'm going to say this. It's some breaking news. There's movement in Washington. You get to see Mike Duggan sitting in the, the Oval Office today, but he was socially distanced, way to the side. This is coming, and I know he's taking meetings. This ain't over. But I'm not letting it go. Hell. No. I Look, I feel like I've been standing next to a microwave for three years just... Turning it on. I, I'll never have another kid. All my sperm is dead now. <laughs> that, that must that must be the case because it's freezing outside and you haven't complained about it being cold yet. So maybe that one. That's because I'm the, warm from all the radiation, radiation Mark. It's the, it's the one warm spot in the city. So let me do this. <laughs> let me do this. All joking aside, a good friend, very good friend of Karen's, was killed this week. Karen, please. Charlie, it's been very, very difficult um, for me. Uh, Attorney Cliff Woodards, uh, who has been a friend uh, for about 30 years, uh, I would jokingly tell him since I was three or four, um, he was leaving a mutual friend's house um, after a Super Bowl. There were only three or four people there, and he was uh, T-boned by a DPD uh, explorer. Uh, who was supposedly responding to a call for backup. And uh, as a result of that accident, um, he died. And it's been a very difficult week, not only for me, but for a lot of people in this city. Yeah. Okay. So one, before any, I know what people think. Uh, Cliff was a teetotaler. Didn't drink. He wasn't drunk at a Super Bowl party. No, he that didn't would, drink. That would naturally pop into people's head. No. Two. He's no more important or less important than anybody out there. He's, but he's a prominent person. He did a lot for people. That's why, you know, plus it's Karen's friend. If it, if it was a relation of mine, you'd be hearing about it. But here's the thing. I'm not looking to pillory anybody, handcuff anybody. But what do we know about the two officers in the car, Karen? Uh, well, from a very reliable internal uh, source at DPD that the driver of the vehicle was a female officer with two years on the job uh, and that the uh, partner who was the passenger in the vehicle had been on the job for two weeks. 
Um, like, as I said, they were responding to a call for backup, uh, but that the call had been called off because the suspect had been apprehended. Um, as the chief indicated, you know, regardless, if you have your lights and sirens on, you have to always maintain control of the vehicle. Uh, and clearly that did not happen. So let's go like this. We've been talking about, we've done 120 shows here. A lot of it is about policing. Did you hear this? This is a midnight shift. You have a sophomore and somebody with two weeks on the job. The way it works, and I've been in a lot of these cruisers, the driver, license sirens, and the partner. You come up to the light. The partner looks. When he ascertains it's clear, he beats on the dashboard so the partner can see it, and he does this twice. You guys hear that out there? Mm -hmm. That means all clear. When you have untrained people together you don't have the experience to be doing what you're doing we have a deep issue when at least one third of the department has less than five years this is a consequence of mismanagement of the bankruptcy of underpaying people and this is what's going on out there at night any any experienced cop will tell you Look, we're red standing. This is mismanagement. You promised us oversight. You said everything was good. Every month we come up with this shit. Crimes through the roof. Developments falling apart. There's no jobs and there's no tax base. Tell me what you've accomplished. It was a nice media suck-up job you did. They went for it. Now it's here. Everybody agree? Yes. Red, this is the facts, folks. Only here. Uh, not to mention, Charlie, don't forget, they just diverted 20% of the rehab money from the recent proposal and deal away from rehab. You know why? So, they forgot that they're going to have to pay interest, so it's not budgeted. And they're giving us bullshit. Like, we don't need to do as much rehab because we sold a lot of houses. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Well, Charlie, you've said it before, and I've heard it from uh, some reliable sources internally. We're in financial trouble. The city is headed toward, if not bankruptcy again, you know, some type of severe financial compromise. So all the all the the pretty shiny things are are there for distraction. The core of who we are um, not only has not changed, but where it has changed, it has changed for the worse. That is well said. And as we've been uh, co we've been together a while now, Karen, doing this, don't blame it on COVID. We yeah. were telling you about the financial underpinnings of this thing. When times were supposedly good, it's here. We gave all the money to rich guys. They don't pay any taxes. We've got a hockey arena. It doesn't pay us anything. We got no jobs in the neighborhood and contractors dumping shit. We got police not making enough. They don't have a contract. It's, it's coming due early this summer. The fire department doesn't have one at all. Bullshit. Hey, governor, Cuomo got caught. Fulfill the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act. Where did those vital record debts come from? You're, you didn't even keep track. We're on it. No favor, no bullshit. None. Red, thanks for doing it. I'll see you later in the afternoon. Deuces. Bye, Red. Good. Look at that. He turned into a freaking reporter. <laughs> he is, He's going to be done. Give the man some credit.
It, it did. It, take, it takes heart and the willingness to do the homework and to just tell the facts. That's all it takes. It's not, I mean, not to trivialize it, but I mean, Red is, like he said, he's a regular guy, but he wants to know the truth and he's willing to do the work. He's willing to stand outside in the cold, ask the questions and 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 do the work. Just, just like you, Charlie. I mean, that's how you get to the truth. And he fucks up his career just like me because, you know, that, was, <laughs> that wasn't funny. That wasn't, that wasn't a funny bit. But I tell you what. Got to keep him thinking though, man. When the clubs open back up again, you know how much real life material Red has? Oh, yeah. Well, what did he say? He did 15 minutes on uh, Gorilla Glue last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a drink with him later. He can tell me the whole set. A free okay, show. Let, 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 let's zoom out. We're almost done, folks. Listen, we appreciate you. We do. Share, share, share. Not left, not right, not afraid. What I got to say based on facts. And now I'm going to give you the, the last word on the TCF and the freaking fraud. B.S. Roll me that tape. Just leave it on now. We'll watch that. Listen, Biden's in the White House. Trump's on trial. And there's this video going around made to make the believers look stupid. Just leave it on the video. Don't cut to me. If you like to be lied to, so be it. But spare me the hate mail. And if you're going to send me hate mail, at least give me the dignity of listening to the end. There's a point here. Video from the loading docks of the TCF Center in Detroit emerged last week, showing an early morning delivery of absentee ballots, a full seven and a half hours after the polls closed on November 3rd. This is proof, proof you're told, that the election was stolen from Trump. And some of you snap it up like carp to the bait hook. It must be true they were fake ballots, you'd think, because the security video unearthed by the right-wing news site Gateway Pundit is set to spooky music. And when you have a late-night video set to spooky music, you can be absolutely sure something diabolical is going on. Except it's fake news. Fake news tossed to people drowning in cold waters of reality, looking for a straw, any straw to snatch hold of. Here are the facts. First, the scene of the video unfolds exactly the way it was described by me and William Hartman, the Republican Wayne County canvasser, three days after the election here on our November 6th podcast. Hartman was working that night as an observer. I was working two jobs. One is a precinct captain at a counting board table at TCF. And the second and more important job was that of a reporter making sure nothing nefarious or incompetent was going on with your vote in a town that hasn't conducted a tidy election in nearly two decades. Nonpartisan. They're not stealing it from us. I was there. So, haters are going to hate, but I'm all you got. No other reporter felt it worthwhile hanging around past 2 a.m., despite this being the most important election of our lifetimes and Detroit being ground zero. As Hartman said on the podcast, about 60 boxes of ballots came in around 3.30 a.m. in a marked election, uh, van bureau, election bureau van. And the video confirms this, see? The one we're looking at, yeah. However, those boxes can hold a maximum of 350 ballots. That's 21,000 ballots at most. Not 50,000 ballots, as you're led to believe by Gateway. Not 138,000 ballots, as the initial cranks were putting it. 
my table received one of these early morning boxes. I was charged with removing the secrecy sleeve. No one else could see how many ballots were inside. Not gateway reporters, not the observers who signed affidavits and stormed the doors that afternoon and were pushed back by pizza boxes. When I removed the sleeve, I saw that our box contained 11 ballots. 11. That's it. I have no idea if they were for Biden or Trump, and I'm the guy who was handling them. So how would anybody else know? And why wouldn't these late arriving ballots come to TCF anyway? That's where legitimately cast ballots were supposed to be counted. The law requires the polls to close at 8 p.m., not the counting of the ballots to stop at 8 p.m., as the Gateway story puts it. Remember, Secretary of State Benson warned before the election that results could take up to a week. Remember, it took two days. After my table processed those whopping 11 ballots, I walked over and stood by the shipping bay doors where the boxes came in. I was hoping to sneak a cigarette. You can see back there, there's places to smoke cigarette. See it? Yeah. Look at all that. You just hide somewhere. Lots of places to hide. We weren't allowed out of the room. So, it was 4 a.m. and I lingered there for the better part of 20 minutes. The door never opened and I never got that cigarette. According to the video, two more boxes did arrive at 4.31 a.m. Got me there. Still, that's no more than 700 votes total and probably far fewer. Now, Facebook has flagged and banned Gateway's Zapruder-esque fraud film and Twitter earlier this week booted Gateway pundit founder and editor-in-chief Jim Hoft for posting, quote, misleading information on election outcomes. It's still on YouTube, though. For now, anyway. But now listen, booting conspiracy nuts off the Internet isn't going to do much to tamp down the belief by smart people and dumb people alike that something was wrong with the election. You can put Donald Trump on trial. You can kick Lou Dobbs off the air. But the stench of illegitimacy still lingers in too many nostrils. And that's not good for the union. So what can be done to renew the faith in this era of mail-in elections? Why not have an audit, a real audit? Secretary of State Benson and I both know she could put an end to this with the press of a button. All ballots have an electronic timestamp along with corresponding names and addresses. In minutes, we can know how many ballots were processed after 3.30 a.m. We could estimate with a random draw how many people voted who don't actually live in Michigan and how many people who voted in Michigan aren't living at all. Hartman said to me, I don't know why they don't do the audit. You remember Hartman, the Republican canvasser, who famously voted against certifying the results before changing his mind and voting to certify, only to change his mind the following days to ask for his vote back. He says it makes it look like there's something to hide. And he's right. I'm convinced that there was no fraud in Detroit's TCF Center. If there were any problems, physical problems, that is. They were born of laziness or lack of training. But there was no power outage, no secret Ethernet line, no late-night fraud. Took... No some, no more scary music. Sorry. Have a good man. <laughs> no late-night fraud dump took place, people. That much I know. The rest I don't, and that's all I'm claiming. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't know anything about Arizona or Pennsylvania. TCF Center... This is legitimate. 
Everything lines up. Remember, I was a worker, not an observer standing six feet away from a worker trying to peep over the worker's shoulder. Not a crackpot contractor paid by Dominion to wipe down screens. I was the guy with your vote in my hand. And so, no one should be afraid of an audit, a real audit. However, instead of conducting a true audit and putting the matter to rest, which we all want, instead of admitting that Michigan voter rolls are bloated with at least a half million dead people and former citizens, Secretary Benson has done what she's done through this whole cycle. She's taken to facile Zoom interviews and offer canned hams like this one. If it's not broke, fix it anyway. Yes, she should fix it anyway. Whether we voted for her or not for her or not at all or three or four times, just fix it. That's what you're elected to do. And that is the last word from me. Are you scared? I keep playing it. By the way, you signed an affidavit. A lot of these people are reasonable. When I listen, it can be explained. You don't know the process. Remember they kept putting the ballots back in and be counted and counted and counted? Mm -hmm. Somehow tens of thousands of times. Here's what Bill Hartman did. When there were 600 more votes than voters, they went back and took those ballots and ran them. And then they balanced out. Oh, they must have run these a couple times. There were 600 more. They were, they were off, folks, by less than a few dozen votes. What did you guys do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it? That's it. Audit the shit. I'm glad it's the last word on it. It has to be. Thank well, you. one more came out and people asked me, I don't hate you. You got a right. You got some suspicion. The, pre- the former president cooked it up before we ever voted, but Benson helped it yeah. by sending all those applications. Everybody started going, what the fuck is this? So fix it. Clean the rolls up. Do the audit. Well, I won't dignify them by responding to it. It's not your... De- I guess it's your it's decision, your, it's your but it's not your... though. Come on. Ugh. All right. Okay. I like the music. You're not scared? That's what they did. It's their music. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. It does make it seem devious when you add music. Something's up. Yeah, they're, they're, hidden they're playing with us. Talk Don't fall entire, apart. Entirely playing with us. Do what not, Travis said. They're not, they're not playing. They're effing with you. That's what they're doing. Yeah. There's a difference. Now, yes. What's the, what's the F? What's that word? You know what it is, Mark. Fucking. Look. I want to hurt. You leave the mainstream media because they lie to you. You're willing to be, they're lying to you. That's a lie. That much I know. The rest of it, I know you, you guys send me stuff. I, I don't know what went on in Philadelphia. I don't know if there was a secret wire. I don't have any evidence of it. Believe me, if I found any evidence of it, I'm going for it. Or I'm going to send Red to go stand on it. We love you. We love you. Don't do this to each other. Yeah. Be reasonable. All right. Last thing. Last one. Uh, News from Flint. Larry Flint died. Larry Flint 
a ninth grade dropout who built a $400 million empire of raunchy magazines, strip clubs, and cheap casinos based around his sexually explicit magazine. Mm -hmm. Hustler died on Wednesday at his home in Los Angeles. He was 78. Flint took a bullet for it and spent decades in a golden wheelchair battling obscenity and libel charges as the self-promoting and unlikely champion of freedom of the press. He lived it. A true free speech. I fighter. knew him. Mm -hmm. I interviewed him on multiple occasions. And this, if you're listening, you can't see it. This is my last interview with him. A piece of the last interview where I'm on my knees because he's in a wheelchair. And... Um, Take it for what it is. Can I, can I wheel you around your office? What? Can I wheel you around your office? Would you let me take you on one lap? Uh, no, I'm going to let professionals do that. Damn it. <laughs> I got an idea. What about scratch and sniff? We tried that. <laughs> Problem is, we couldn't get the actual odors, so we settled for a lavender. So it became so superficial that the guys were turned off by it, so we, we never tried it again. Did you, uh, did you wreck the country, sir? You pay a price to live in a free society, and that price is toleration. You have to tolerate things that you don't necessarily like so you can be free, you know? I tolerate Fox News, you know. <laughs> you start inching away from him. <laughs> I, I admire the guy, man. He was funny. He's great, yeah. I took my brother to a press conference one day. He was announcing something, and he had this nice bronze uh, statue on his desk of two cherubs butt-fucking. Like, <laughs> now there is a media mogul. He knew what he was, man. But look at that, though. Uh, I mean, oh, look. Guy busted his ass, like you mentioned. There is no better job than news. Real news. Real people news. The border, the farmer... The comedian, the porn king. It's been a great life. I wish you all the same. Karen, I am so sorry to hear about Cliff. Thanks, Charlie. I know it hurts. It does. Okay, I love you. Love you back. Thank you. Try to love you, one another. And you too, Mark. <laughs> Take me out with some Bruce Springsteen here. Bruce Springsteen. It's from, it's from the album Nebraska, which is right next to Kansas. And he's singing about New Jersey. <laughs> How about a state trooper? Yeah, I know you caught me drinking a little bit at the gateway. Hey, Mr. Trooper, don't be a party pooper. But I got a clear conscience. But I think that I Mr. State Trooper Please don't stop me Please don't stop me It's like two notes Please don't stop me In this Jeep without any roof on in the middle of the show Maybe you got a pretty wife 
begs the question what's a New Jersey State Trooper doing in Nebraska <laughs> uh, trying to sell Jeeps how cool would that commercial have been Travis with his hands up a heifer's uterus they should have incorporated him somehow why that's real exactly I hope y'all liked him I loved him great guy it's real why do you keep turning Karen's mic down? Your mind gets hazy. Does it on purpose? Because <laughs> the pots are next to each other. Is she on? Don't lead me to my baby. What'd you say, Karen? I was saying that it was amazing. It, it was. It, it was great. Good people always are. Just talk, 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 talk. Till you lose your patience. Get ready, Madam Attorney General. I'm coming next week. And you know what it's about. We have not forgotten, Flynn. Program. Ah! 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 Ah!